Welcome to Wiffle's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wiffle. It was, by all accounts, a very successful season for the Green Bay Packers. Despite being a transitional season, the Packers still won nine regular season games and advance to the divisional round of the playoffs. So where do the Packers go from here? Greetings, and welcome to another Packers podcast with Rob Reichel of Forbes.com and Conley Media and myself. Good day, Rob. Good day to you, my friend. How we doing? Hey, we, we got a heat wave in Wisconsin. It, it cracked 30 today, so uh, I, I'm in an ecstatic mood. <laughs> I am with you, Gary. I, I cannot wait to get the ice and the tire tracks off my driveway. I'm one of those <laughs> I'm one of those wackos where it drives me nuts when I when I see that out there. So we just we need a couple in the mid 30s, Gary, when I can pop those suckers right off. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, the Packers are disappointed and and their legion of loyal fans are disappointed that the season is over, but you and, and many people in the media are probably glad it's over. I mean, having been a reporter, I, I know what a grind it is to have that beat and have other things on your plate. I mean, that's that's a long season. Yeah, it is, Gary. But I mean, you know me well enough by now. We've we've known each other twenty five years or, or or whatever. I don't cheer one way or the other. I could care less who wins a game. I I just want a good story. You know, and, and this wound up being a heck of a story, the 2023 Green Bay Packers, didn't it? So if it extended another week or two, you know, that that would have been just just fine with me. And the fact it ended, it you know, that that's absolutely fine too. You know, you and I can control a lot of things. We we can't control the games we go sit down and cover, right? So any any good journalist worth his salt has nothing emotionally invested in, you know, in in the team he covered. But you know, the these 23 Packers, Gary, turned into one of the better stories of the probably the 21st century, right? I mean, everybody thought like you called it a transitional year, and 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 that's kind. I I think four or five months ago, most people labeled it it was going to be a rebuilding year, and the Packers never called it that. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think internally, Gary, just based on some of the roster moves they made, not addressing kicker, not addressing punter, not addressing safety, not adding a veteran wide receiver or a veteran tight end, it. You know, it 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 told you, Gary. You know, they can stand in front of a podium all day long, and tell and and tell the general public one thing, but it's it's the moves they make that that really tell you how they feel. And 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 they felt, Gary, that this was going to be a season where they were probably going to take their lumps, but they were going to get Aaron Rodgers off the payroll, and they were going to find out if Jordan Love could play or not. Well, Gary, they they hit home runs in every single department possible, right? They found out Jordan Love can play. He's probably going to get a huge contract here in the offseason. They got Aaron Rodgers and several other veterans off the books. I mean, think about it, Gary. They had almost $70 million this year in dead cap money. For years and years and years, you know, that credit card bill came in the mail every month, and they paid the minimum on it. They paid the interest charges, and they they elected not to pay the balance. Well, they in 2023, Gary, they paid the balance, and that is gone, and they've only got about 4 to $5 million right now of dead cap money in 2024. They are going to have money in free agency to go and spend, especially once they free up about $20 million when they cut David Bakhtiari. Um, and there's other things they can do along the way too, Gary. You know, But the point is, Love could play. They got Rodgers off the books. They found out that they have had back-to-back unbelievable draft classes that can all play 
in these two playoff games, Gary, you know, the, the rookies in the second year guys jumped out. They jumped out at the end of the year. There, there's talent up and down that roster. The talent is cheap. It's cheap labor for the next couple of years. And along the way, Gary, they went back to the playoffs and they made the Elite Eight and, and probably should be in the Final Four this weekend. So by all accounts, I mean, I think about 95% of the organizations uh, out there, Gary, would take that in a heartbeat. Um, I know it hurts for them right now. I know Packer Nation believes they could and should have beat San Francisco. Everybody in the Packer locker room believes that was a game they they probably should have won last Saturday night. And they should have, Gary. You know, I don't know how much you want to delve into that game. It, it was a game they let yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about that for sure as we, we move along here. Right? But the bottom line, Gary, is that this team went farther, I think, in, in 2023 than anybody believed. And their future right now looks remarkably bright. Yeah, and I don't want to pat ourselves on the backs here, but we will. You and I both picked in preseason that they would uh, advance to the playoffs, and they did. And pat away, Gary. Pat away. Yeah, exactly. You know, I I know it is shocking to a lot of people, but, you know, that there's talent on that roster, and they've got a good coaching staff, a good GM. You know, if you would have told me, though, Gary, back in August, because as I looked at that roster – I thought to myself, they still have really high-level players at a lot of key positions, right? Mm-hmm. Left tackle, running back, corner, outside linebacker, spots like that that are difference makers and, and win you football games. And Gary, what was amazing, because I certainly didn't know the rookie class would be as good as it was, and I didn't know that the second-year guys would take this level of jump. Gary, they did a lot of what they did without several of their what we thought were their top 10 players back in August – or September yeah. when the year started with several of those guys, Gary, sidelined for all or most of the year. The Bakhtiaris, Jair Alexander only plays, you know, seven games. You know, there, there, there were a number of players, Gary, that you would have put, you know, Aaron Jones only played roughly, what, half a season. Several of these guys that, you know, I thought were going to be good enough to take them to the playoffs, Gary, because they had elite talent at the top of the roster. A lot of those guys missed half or, you know, even all of the season. And it allowed these young guys to show what they have. And Gary, moving forward, they will, you know, lean more heavily than ever on, on a lot of those young guys in, in, in the future here. And, and, and I think the sky's the limit, not for just those players, but, you know, for the organization in general. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what I had an outline for our podcast here, different topics that you and I would like to discuss and already I'm going off the rails here and bringing up uh, Matt LaFleur. I mean, I always thought Matt LaFleur was a good coach, but I I thought this year in my estimation was by far his best year as as a coach. And I, I was particularly impressed how he held that team together in the middle of the season because that had a chance to go south and, and go south in a bad way. But uh, he, he kept that group intact, and, uh, man, what they did down the stretch was was very impressive. Gary, when they were 2-5 and five and then later 3-6, and six, I, yeah. I, I, I was writing each week, you know, where they fit in the chase for a number one pick or a top five pick in the draft. That that was the storyline, Gary. I, we were both discussing season. that, absolutely. I mean, that was, that was the story on our podcast at, at various times. Are they better off? you know, kind of kind of wilting here down the stretch and, and landing themselves a top three, a top five draft pick. Even at midseason, Gary, I you know, I still leaned toward Love being the guy long-term. 
but he had a rocky first half of the season. Let, let's be honest. And I, and I don't even think organizationally top to bottom, they were a thousand percent sure Jordan Love would be their long-term guy. The fan base, Gary, if you would have pulled him at midseason, Jordan Love might have lost that election in terms of, you know, sticking around to be the long-term quarterback. Well, he had a second half of the season, as we know, that, you know, rank among the best in, in franchise history, put up some historic numbers over, you know, the last seven or eight games. And and really, Gary, up until the last 17 minutes or so of that San Francisco game, I mean, what Jordan Love was in the middle of doing was 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 really unparalleled. So, yeah, the way they turned it around, the way Matt LaFleur held everything together, Gary, was was remarkably impressive. I, I think Matt taking over in 2019 to me is still his best coaching job. He got Aaron Rodgers turned around. He got him back on track. Um, you know, he took over a team that had missed the playoffs in 17 and 18 and and seemed to be heading backwards with with Mike McCarthy. Um I, and, and he took them to an NFC title game, so they obviously went a step further. But, Gary, you can certainly make a case for 2023 as well. I you will, I mean, Gary, I, I would be shocked. I don't, I, you know, you and I probably have another, you know, hopefully 20 to 50 years on this earth. I'd be shocked, Gary, Speak if we ever yourself, see a roster. <laughs> I would be shocked, Gary, if we ever see another roster this young. Yeah, yeah. You know, the other thing, too, just uh, touching on Jordan Love a little more, that nine-game stretch he had – as you alluded to, was just absolutely remarkable. I would love to see, you know, this is probably one for the Elias Sportsbook in uh, New York, but I would like to find out if there's ever been a stretch of nine games where a Packer quarterback was so efficient. What was it, 20, 21 touchdowns and one interception at one point? Yeah, and then Gary, when you think about it, he threw the two early touchdowns against San Francisco, or you know, he yes. threw two before his late pick. So at one point, Gary, he was up to twenty three and one. Twenty three and one. I mean, that, that those are Hall of Fame numbers. I mean, geez. yeah. Now, now, I I could do the homework on that easy, Gary, before we do the next you know podcast. But you know, Rogers the one year had a forty five and six touchdown to interception mm-hmm. ratio. That was his right. best one. That that was eight and a half to one. Um, I don't have it in front of me right now to break down the game by game logs that, that he had. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. That now, whether, whether reasons. Gary, he went 23 and one along the way that season, I would say the odds are slim because he did throw the six interceptions. Gary, what we w- might've just witnessed from Jordan love could be the greatest stretch in, in franchise history. Yeah. I don't think the average fan or even the, uh, uh, an avid fan really fully understands what he did. I mean, it, it was just out of this world. There's no question. And I don't, Gary, the league has changed a lot, right? I mean, back from a generation or two ago, when teams turn the ball over twice as much as they do today, teams are so much more cautious and and protect the ball far better. Even, you know, even as efficient and terrific as Bart Starr was protecting the football, he still had years where he had relatively high number of, of, of interceptions. He certainly didn't have touchdown, you know, interception ratios, Gary, any better than two to one. And, you know, you're talking... Jordan Love down the stretch here at one point was a 23 to one. I mean, yeah. it is, it, it is absolutely remarkable. And, and I know the league now favors the offense dramatically, Gary. You, you, you saw that chiefs bills game the other night, for example, and I think they went late third quarter and there was one punt between the two teams right through yeah. the course of the game. Yeah. It's it, it is really hard these days to play defense in terms of what the NFL wants. The NFL wants points. They want scoring. They made it easier for offenses. I mean, I, I have said this many times, Gary, if Brett Favre played right now today in this era, you know, 
he'd throw for 6,000 yards and 50 touchdowns on a given season, you know, m- the overwhelming majority of times. It's a lot easier, in essence, for offenses no today than it was a, a generation or two ago. But you can't take a thing away from love other than, I guess, Gary, how he finished that fourth quarter of the San Francisco game, right? I think his passer rating in the fourth quarter was about 17. He will be haunted the entire offseason, you would believe, by that game-ending interception. Now, they lost the game to me well before that play even happened. They had they had several opportunities to knock the 49ers out early, kind of like they did the Cowboys, Gary. But we're going to remember the Carlson kick, and we're going to remember the, the Jordan Love throw as the two biggest plays to kind of finish that game. You know, Gary, I flashed back to 95, and I'm sure you remember this too. The Packers went to Dallas for the NFC title game. They're leading 27-24 going to the fourth quarter. Favre had been unbelievable. They had been unbelievable that whole year. He had been unbelievable in the playoffs. Dallas goes and gets a touchdown to go ahead 31-27, and Favre has the Packers back on the move to go ahead. And now you remember that 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 was that Dallas dynasty that won three out of four and was 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 so remarkable during that stretch with with Troy and and Emmett and and Irvin and Jimmy Johnson, obviously. And Favre gets picked. Gary and the Cowboys go back down and 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 score and, and beat Green Bay 38-27. They outscored them in the fourth quarter, 14 to nothing. That game the other night, Gary, felt very similar to that. San Francisco outscores Green Bay 10-0 in the fourth quarter. Love has the killer interception with the game on the line. Now Favre came back in 96, Gary, won the MVP for a second straight year. He won it again in 97. He won three straight at one point, but 96 was probably his best year. And they go back and they win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Can the 2024 Packers do that? We will find out, Gary. They're going to have all the talent in the world, though, to do it. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that we uh, wanted to do was, uh, again, every every week we do like these fun exercises. And the one uh, I, I chose for this week was three things or three priorities for the Packers during the offseason to take that next step to become legitimate NFC championship contenders i'll do one then you do one we'll just go back and forth till we get our top three how's that sound that sounds good i'll just tell you though i wrote down five but well i'll I'll go to i'll go to top three so let's do it you are a tough critic i'm glad i didn't have you as a professor man (laughs) so my my first one was this is hard to believe shore up the defense that they have two gaping holes in my estimation uh at cornerback and there's so much uncertainty surrounding Jair Alexander and, and Eric Stokes. Uh, Stokes played one game at quarterback this year. And I believe Alexander played what? How many games did Alexander play? I think he I played. I think Alexander played seven in the regular season, seven. Gary, and played the two playoff games. So, yeah. So, combined between Alexander and Stokes, they missed a combined 23 games. Yeah. And you just can't go into next season with, with uh, you know, that uncertainty hanging over your head. They have the 25th pick in the draft, Gary. Uh, it, it's going to go to corner or it's going to go to left tackle. I mean, both yeah. positions are incredibly strong. Both are deep. There are two glaring holes right now in Green Bay. So, yes, I, I agree with you. I'll, I'll come back to that one later. My first area to shore up, Gary, though, is Joe Barry. 
Uh, <laughs> I as, am shocked. <laughs> as as I'm sure uh, you are shocked. Yes. I, I um, put every single penny <laughs> in my bank account that was going to be your number one. <laughs> Gary, if a football team is going to be elite, they need elite leadership. They need elite coaching. Joe Barry doesn't check either box. He's had three years there, Gary, and and I know the last couple of years they've quote unquote closed the season strong, right? And and Matt Lafleur gets happy, and and the guys on defense get happy. But it's a seventeen game season, Gary. I, I added all this up earlier today. In Joe Barry's three years, their average rank on total defense is fourteenth. Their average rank on scoring defense is fourteenth. They are middle of the pack, Gary. And they have eight first-round draft picks on that defensive side of the ball this year. Whether or not those guys deserve to be first-round picks, Gary, I guess, is a, is a whole other subject. But, you know, but Robin, I'm not going to interrupt you all the time, but on this one, we, we just got done talking about Stokes and Alexander missing 23 games. They were both first-round picks. And, you know, whether that was because of injury or, or whatever – um, that, that's a lot of games to miss for, for two starting cornerbacks that were number one picks. And don't disagree with you there, Gary, the front seven though, for the most part was healthy all year. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really, Correct. it really was. I mean, if you watched Buffalo the other day, Gary, heck, if you watched Miami the previous week, Miami was down seven defensive starters in their, in their playoff opener at Buffalo, Buffalo's defense was ravaged that Gary, that's the league. You get to January 20th. And no, and nobody's got eleven starters left. Nobody's got nine. Actually, by the playoffs, Gary Green Bay was as healthy as they had been at exactly. any point all year. And Gary, Joe Barry's defense needed to make one killer critical stop in that football game Saturday night. 21-17, five minutes to go. San Francisco's got to go what 65, 70 yards to win the football game. And Joe Barry's defense can't get off the field. He never rushes more than four. He doesn't put any pressure on Purdy whatsoever. Matt LaFleur has been very loyal to Joe Barry. He's had his back the last two off seasons and said in his uh, season ending press conferences, Gary, that he doesn't anticipate any change when it comes to the defensive coordinator. When Matt was asked about that on Monday about Joe Barry and Joe Barry's future in green Bay, he dodged the question. Now you can read into that what you want. He might come back in a week and say, Yep, we're going to stick with Joe Barry. But it's a pretty easy time to separate, Gary. Barry is not under contract for 2024. Somebody, You know what, Rob? That's the assumption I was, too. Somebody said, no, he's got another year. I don't believe that's the case, Gary. His contract ran out this season. That's why, yeah, Uh, that's what I assumed. You know, it's it's a real easy time, I think, for them to part ways with Joe Barry. And and, and again, Gary, I go back to what I was saying with the eighth first-round draft picks. Maybe only four or five of those guys were worthy of being first-round picks. But the bottom line is the guy who took him in round one, Ryan Gutekunst, the general manager, is still the general manager. He believes they are elite players. He believes yeah, I agree. He believes that those are players that should should take you in, into becoming a top-10 defense or not. Whether or not Gutekunst is right or not doesn't matter. It, re- it really doesn't. His belief right now, Gary, is that, it's high, that, that those guys are high-end elite level defenders that, you know, should be, should formulate some level of a top 10 defense. Joe Barry hasn't gotten them there. Gutekunst is not going to tell LaFleur what to do with his coaching staff, but I can guarantee he's going to have an opinion. He's not going to tell him you have to do A, B, or C, but he is going to express to him that maybe 
the last defensive coordinator that Joe Barry didn't get out of those guys what Brian Gutekunst anticipated he would. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to make one uh, rebuttal here. The biggest games for the Packers were their final regular season game and their two playoff games. And I would say of those three games, the three most important games of their season, I would have given the defense a B, maybe even a B plus for what they did. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I have some res- I, I'm not totally opposed to firing Barry, but uh, man, I'll tell you what, that defense showed up when it counted, except for that last series, right? <laughs> Gary, that that's when it counted the most. That was the most yeah, critical I know. drive. Gary, it was the most critical drive of the season, and they did what they've done so many times in the Joe Barry era. They melted down late, and at the end, when all they had to do was get one stop and get off the field, and you and I right now on this podcast are talking about a Packers-Lions-NFC championship game, not about 2024. Right. Okay. Well, let's move on to number two. What what would be your second biggest priority? They got to find a kicker. I mean – I understand, Gary, what they did this year. They went cheap at positions you could go cheap at. You know, the overwhelming majority of NFL general managers say kickers and punters are a dime a dozen, and they're not going to usually win or lose games for you, although Green Bay right now would argue, and so would the guys probably in Buffalo with Tyler Bass. Gary, for the most part this year, they got away with it. But you and I said through the course of the year, as Carlson missed a kick every single week, right? Mm -hmm. He wound up missing... Twice as many extra points as anybody in the league. He missed 13 kicks, which were more than anybody in football by a lot. We said it eventually, you know, Anders Carlson is going to cost them a football game. Gary, you remember two years ago when we were doing this and they went into the divisional playoffs against San Francisco, same point where they lost this year. And we had watched 18 games or whatever by that point, 17 games of miserable special teams from Mo Drayton. Yeah, just legendarily bad, Gary. Not, you know, I mean, is, is that guy game, still coaching? That's a great question. I'm not <laughs> even sure, Gary. I haven't done my homework on him in a while. I don't think he is. You know, but Gary in a league of 32 teams back in 2021, the Packers would have ranked 50th. You know, should have ranked 50th in yeah. most of those categories. That's a. I mean, it was it was historically bad what was going on with Drayton, and we sat there week after week, and we said at some point. Special teams are going to bite him in the ass, right? And they did. You know, block punt late in the game. San Francisco ties it up 10-10 and then wins the game late 13-10. We said the same thing all year with Carlson. It was it was irresponsible. Gary, in, in September, if you wanted Carlson as your kicker, that's absolutely fine, right? When there's no expectations and when the majority, you know, of people inside that building thought it was going to be a rebuilding year, then fine. Go cheap at kicker, go cheap at punter. But even up to last week, Gary, I think we talked about it on the podcast. Guys like Robbie Gold, guys like Mason Crosby were still sitting on the street. And Green Bay could have upgraded it at kicker last Wednesday, Gary, by making a move. I mean, it's remarkable to say that, but they could have. Yeah. And brought a real kicker to San Francisco instead of a guy who's 70% in his career at Auburn and now in Green Bay. You just you can't have numbers like Andres Carlson did this year, Gary. In in today's National Football League, it's nineteen. It's not nineteen sixty four when you were thrilled if a guy made half his kicks, right? It's not <laughs> even nineteen eighty nine when when you were thrilled that Jan Stenerud made seventy eight percent of his kicks or something like that. Half the league, Gary, makes ninety percent of their kicks. So my second one is pretty simple, Gary. They've got to move on from Carlson and get a real kicker. 
Yep, I uh, couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I actually had them at number three, but uh, I was being way, way charitable towards Anders Carlson. Uh, you know how I felt about him all year. I, I thought it was a mistake drafting him. I thought it was a mistake sticking with him. And uh, like you pointed out, uh, 81% of his field goals, you know, I mean, that that's that's bad. I think that if I'm not mistaken, Rob, there were 11 kickers that had a percentage of 90 or better. 11, okay? Yeah. And, and I think uh, by my last count, there were 17 kickers who had a percentage of 85 better. And he was down at 81%. But the thing that really gnawed me, and it should have gnawed everybody in that organization, was his attention extra to points. detail. The, the extra points. I mean – this isn't high school football. This is professional <laughs> football. You know, five extra points that he missed. And uh, I don't think there was another kicker in the league that was even close to that. Yeah, he actually missed six, Gary, and the next one was three. Yes, yes, yeah, okay. I mean, I mean, that's 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 inexcusable, you know? I, I you know, Gary, Gary Matt, Matt LaFleur was annoyed that Tom Rinaldi on Fox had, had kind of let, you know, let the cat out of the bag or spilled the beans that Matt said to him in a production meeting. Every time Anders Carlson goes out to kick, he that Matt prays. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's, and that story got a lot of publicity here the last couple of weeks. And Matt tried to poo poo it at a season ending press conference and, you know, threw a little bit of blame back at Rinaldi or whatever. But Gary, the bottom line is LaFleur said it. He meant it. Um, whether he thought it was maybe off the record or, you know, that he was just BSing with, with Ronaldi at some point in time. Gary, your head coach should not have to rely on faith every time a kicker comes out to make an extra point, right? And yeah, and yeah. looking up to the big guy in the sky, hoping it splits the uprights. That is that is not how any National Football League coach should should operate. And, and, and Green Bay hasn't operated that way, Gary, for the most part, really since the Favre era, right? With, yeah. with Jackie and then Longwell. And then obviously Mason Crosby. Then there was one year in there with Dave Rayner, which was a me- which was a mess. He was seventy four percent. I think that was 06. Other than that, Gary Green Bay kicking in one of the tougher places in the league. Their their place kickers have been remarkably reliable. They, Gary, they don't need a cannon. Uh, you know, they don't need a guy who can make a seventy yarder. Who cares? Exactly. They need a guy who can make a forty one yarder with the with the season on the line. And I just, I just don't think they have that right now in the building. They'll obviously bring in competition this offseason. I don't know that they'll waste another draft pick. Maybe they'll sign a veteran free agent. But I would say the odds are slim. Andres Carlson is their kicker next year. Yeah. yeah. The, the other thing, too, that kind of caught my attention was after the game, Carlson was disappointed. I mean, you could see that. And he should be disappointed. But he wasn't bitterly disappointed, at least from my perspective. Now, on the flip side, Tyler Bass of the Buffalo Bills missed a critical late-game field goal, right? After the game, he was devastated, and he held himself accountable. I mean, he came out and said, I cost their team a chance to advance. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, to me, it's like Carlson, I think, was just like kind of going with the flow that he missed it. Okay, I'm going to get another shot. I don't think he realized the magnitude of that of that kick. I mean, if they he makes that kick, it's a seven seven point game, and even if 
uh, the 49ers come down and score on the last drive, you still go into overtime. You, you got a legitimate shot to win in overtime. And uh, again, it's, it's a 41-yard field goal in a situation like that. You, you got to do better. And Green Bay has to do better, Gary. You know, I, I, I'm not going to try to read into Carlson's mental state or anything like that. You know, I'll just tell you this from my conversations with him through the year, Gary. He's a very smart kid. He's very level-headed. He's not one of these kickers that's like a heart attack who's up and down every time yeah, you know, yeah. the ball either goes through or it doesn't go through. And there have been a lot of kickers like that in the league through history. He probably does have the right mental makeup, Gary, to, you know, to succeed at some point in time in, in the league. Um, and, and, and he was, he was, you know, if ever green Bay was going to risk it with a young rookie, um, and try to transition to the next, you know, kicker and move on from Crosby in theory, 2023 seemed like the right time, right? When you look back yeah, post post Rogers transitioning this thing to love, everybody thought it was going to be a six and 11, seven and 10 kind of season. That's fine. Right. Try the rookie kicker out, see what happens, Gary, they'll be expected next year them in Detroit to one of the two to win the NFC North, them in Detroit and probably San Francisco will be the three favorites in the NFC. I would believe period. I would imagine green Bay is going to be among the top eight teams. When we, when we look at super bowl odds, you cannot shortchange a position then as critical as kicker because Gary, then even one slip up along the way in the regular season could cost you home field one, you know, one, 41 yarder with the game on the line from Carlson that goes wide left again could cost you the, the, the divisional title, right? Detroit's going to stay good, Gary. Let's not kid ourselves. That's a extremely young roster over there too. You don't win the North. Now you're up. Now you're a wildcard team and your path gets a lot harder. So this is not the time to screw around, you know, with, no. with a young kicker who you're trying to get on track. This is a team all of a sudden where expectations are going to change. They're going to expect to win 11, 12, 13 games next year. And and with that, it's up to Brian Gutekunst to find a kicker of the quality of the rest of his roster. Yeah. yeah and you know what? Since that game, a couple people said to me that, well, you know what? He's a rookie kicker. He's going to learn from that. And I'm thinking, like, of course he's going to learn from it. But there are also two other rookie kickers in the NFL this year, right, that were drafted. Uh, including Moody of the 49ers yep, and, and Chad Ryland of the uh, Patriots. And both of the guy, both of those guys missed one extra point all season. Okay. So I'm, I, again, six is absolutely ridiculous. And if I was running that organization, he's out of here. <laughs> I'm, well, I, I'm with you, Gary. And, you know, and, and, and my rebuttal to your, you know, to your guys that tell you he's a rookie kicker. He's not your normal rookie, though, either. He spent six years at Auburn. Correct. So, Correct. you know, th- this kid is 25 going on, on 26. He He's not 22 where, you know, Rich Passaccia thinks he can put his hands on these guys and, you know, turn water into wine or something like that. I, Gary, he's well into his career. He was a 70% kicker um, during his time at Auburn. It, the numbers didn't improve dramatically this season with Green Bay. He had a really rocky summer. If you remember right, he was up and down yeah. through the course of the summer. He made his kicks in preseason games, but his day-to-day stuff at practice had everybody over there worried to heck. And Gary, I just I just think he's going to be remarkably inconsistent throughout his career until proven otherwise, and it's just not somebody the Packers can risk bringing back next year. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you know, in hindsight, I should have made him number one. <laughs> <laughs> Let me revise my ballot here. Uh, actually, number two, and, and this is foolish, I, I should have had Carlson too. My my second choice is actually shoring up the running back situation. I, I, I firmly believe they should resign Aaron Jones, and I think it would be nice to bring back A.J. Dillon. I, I think that still is a pretty darn good one-two punch. But to me, they need an elusive runner, somebody that can get to the corner, somebody that can break off a, a long-distance run. And and again, we, we talked about the cornerbacks and their availability. You, you got to ask it about Aaron Jones. I mean, he was absolutely terrific coming down the stretch, but he missed a ton of games this year. And uh, if they have another back, uh, I, I think that would really, really help the offense, and in particular, uh, Jordan Love. Yeah, you won't see both of those guys back, Gary. They're not. You don't gonna think so, up. huh? No, I mean, well, Aaron Jones is under contract. He jumps to seventeen and a half million. AJ Dillon, Gary, averaged three point four yards per carry this year. It's just that 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 that's not nearly a good enough number in the National Football League. He. He kind of is what he is, Gary. You know, if 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 you block three yards for him, he's going to get three yards. And yeah, yeah. Um, there's nothing explosive. If you want an explosive back, like you just talked about, it's 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 not going to be AJ Dillon, Gary. He was a wonderful teammate, a wonderful ambassador for the organization. He's Mister Door County. He'll be beloved by Packer fans forever. But he's going to do it next year, probably in a different jersey. Green Bay, Gary, has five of the first eighty-eight draft picks. They have. They have two seconds, two thirds, I believe. Yep, that's what they have. A first, two seconds, two thirds. Five of the first 88. Mm -hmm. One of those will be a running back. Now, here's how I would have, maybe two even, Gary, we'll see, but probably one. The way I would approach things if I was Green Bay, Aaron Jones would become my Ferrari that I don't break out until June 1st. I leave it in the garage all winter. (laughs) And all of a sudden now, here comes the Ferrari around Thanksgiving in football time, Gary. Now, maybe you give Aaron Jones six, eight, ten carries a game between September, you know, the months of September, October, maybe even half of November. But I want him as fresh as heck down the stretch because Gary, the only back maybe that was better than him down the stretch here, you know, over the last half of the season or once Aaron Jones got back, uh, were Christian McCaffrey and and you know my love for for Gibbs in Detroit. Gibbs. Yeah. Gibbs to me is such a remarkably unique talent, but Aaron Jones was in that category, Gary. He, I mean, he really was five straight over a hundred Packers went four and one in those games. Now he, Gary, you know, he allegedly pulled his hamstring again on that long late run against San Francisco. I, you know, I, as I first viewed that Gary, I thought to myself, I, I was surprised that he didn't score on that run because they blocked the heck out of it. But the reason he slowed down and then cut back to the left was he pulled that hamstring again. Gary, it's just where he's at in his career. He's going to be injured. So they have to protect him, I would say, the first half of the season. They have to leave him in the garage. So you take a running back early. You make him your bell cow maybe in September and October. You give that kid, whoever it is, 20 carries a game, Jones 10, and you, and that's and that's how you play offense. And then you have those guys switch roles for the postseason when Jones is fresh. But they're going to take a running back high, they need to do better than they did with A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon just wound up being a mediocre running back in his time. Gary and Green Bay, not good enough for a second-round pick. They need to be better in this draft. 
Yeah, and I, I again, we're on the same page. Um, I I really believe they're going to take a running back in the third round. Um, but yeah, I mean they they need to play complementary football. I mean we saw what happened when Jones was out and and uh, Dylan was ineffective in the middle of the season. It, you know all the pressure was on Jordan Love and, and it was just too much for him. So uh, that's that's why I had running back as my number two priority. Um, now you still have your third one left, right? I do. So so I'm trying to figure out which one here I want to give you out of my top five, Gary. So I already I already went Joe Barry. I already went Carlson. I'm going to give you the secondary as the as number three. Okay. I, I think I think Alexander will be the only starter that comes back. Now Carrington Valentine, I know started 14 games counting the playoffs. I have a feeling they'll use first round pick on left tackle or corner, and whoever the rookie is, assuming Stokes doesn't make it back. And and Gary, at this point in time, I just don't think you can you can count on Stokes a coming back and b being the player he was as a rookie three years ago. So I think I think they definitely take a, a corner early, Gary. They'll take at least one safety early. Savage is going to leave. You know, he'll get paid probably by somebody a little bit more than he should. You know, whether they determine Jonathan Owens is good enough to come back and and be a starter or not, or Rudy Ford or Anthony Johnson or some of those guys, Gary, we'll, we'll find out. But I think they sign one safety in free agency. They take one safety in the middle of the draft and then – and then kind of that that becomes a free-for-all in terms of competition this spring and summer. But Alexander right now, Gary, is the only only starter I would say is solidified because I do think, Gary, he kind of won back the organization over the last few games, um, fighting his way back onto the field from his kind of his bevy of injuries, the latest one being that ankle, and then playing pretty well against Dallas and then, and then San Francisco. I, I told you a month ago, Gary, I might get rid of him. Um, I think they're going to keep him. It, it's really hard in this league to find lockdown corners. Whether he is still a lockdown corner or not, I guess, is is up for debate. But he's far and away the best thing they have on the roster. So it's hard to move on from him, especially because there would be cap ramifications if you did wind up trading him. So, Gary, I think it's Alexander on one side. Both safety spots are wide open at this point. And then really that second corner is open too. There's going to be options. There's going to be, there's going to be a lot of talent, I think, fighting for jobs. But Gary, I think they're going to address that in free agency and in the draft and then let that, let that thing play out however it does. All right, moving along. We are going to now select or give out our Packer season awards, the individual awards. And uh, I think this will take all of five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for MVP, uh, <laughs> there's only one guy. I mean, it's it's a no-brainer, and that's obviously Jordan Love. Counting the playoffs, Gary, 37 touchdowns, 13 picks. Think yeah. about that. Yeah. Three to one. I mean, un, un, absolutely unbelievable. His his passer rating during the regular season was 96-1. Passer rating in the postseason, Gary, was 109. At, at midseason, we could argue, but – you know, it's it's a gifted group of receivers, Gary, but they don't have a Devontae Adams necessarily whose numbers jumped off the page. They don't have a Jordy Nelson whose numbers jumped off the page. Aaron Jones missed too much time. You know, I, I love Zach Tom. He would have I, I would have voted him number two, Gary, in this right mm-hmm. now. Um, but Jordan Love is obviously the MVP. Yeah, yeah. Just just uh going off the rails again here. Who's your league MVP? Uh to me, it's you know Lamar Jackson. Although 
I, I'm in the minority here. I, I'm huge on McCaffrey. I, I think McCaffrey was just outstanding this season, and uh, he, more than anyone, was the reason uh, they're playing for the uh, NFC Championship. I'm with you, Gary. If you're ever going to give it to a running back, and I, I think it's way too – it's far and away, you know, an overlooked position, and, and yeah. it's unfortunate in, in today's world. I would vote McCaffrey one, Jackson two, Mahomes three. Gary Mahomes is playing with receivers like me and you. I mean, it's 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 absolutely remarkable that maybe he has worse. The final four. <laughs> maybe right, you know. Uh, yeah, you know what's I, crazy about that, Rob? Is Kansas City has been addressing that situation for the last two three years. They just can't get it right. And you just watch; they'll draft another one this year in the first round. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, a great organization like that just for whatever reason can't figure that out. Well, they hit it with Rice, didn't they? I mean, that kid's going to be a stud. Yeah, I, I Rice heard is a, Rice is a nice player. I Gary, I think really more than anything, there they didn't anticipate Kelsey falling off the map to the level he did this year. Now I know he's really good the other day against Buffalo. I know his final numbers were okay, Gary. It was nothing like they had been the last five years. Kelsey absolutely, you know, took two major steps back this year, and that hurt that offense a lot. Yeah, yeah. All right, the uh, Packers Offensive Player of the Year, excluding Love. Uh, oh, we're excluding Love, okay. Excluding Love, yeah. He, he gets the MVP award. So I, I thought of Jaden Reed, who was just fantastic as a rookie. Uh, I think you and I both liked that pick at the time when he was taken in the second round. I mean, he, he's been better than I thought. But you know who I'm going to give it to? Your guy, Zach Tom. I just thought he was consistently good from start to finish. And it's like he never went into a game worried that, hey, he needs help. You know what I mean? He he, he stood his ground all 17 games of the regular season, two playoff games, whatever, how many games he played. But uh, he, he, he was really good. Well, and Gary, he saw the elite pass rusher every single week from the other team, right? Yes. You know, he saw Hutchinson twice, right? And he and and, and he yeah, saw Bosa. Max Crosby. Bosa, yeah. And he saw Max Crosby twice. Right. Bosa's Bosa was remarkably quiet Saturday night until, you know, unfortunately for Green Bay, Zach Tom had to leave the football game and, and they had to replace him with Yash. Um no, he he's my guy too. Gary, you know that he was it was an offensive line that got better and better and better through the course of the year. They had a lot of movement early kind of some moving parts, uh, positions were in flux. Um, and Gary, he was the one constant. I mean, the fact that yeah. we flashed back to September or August and and he was in a fight for that right tackle job right now seems kind of laughable because he wound up being their best offensive lineman by a mile and and he's got Pro Bowls written all over him for, you know, over the over the next five years. He was Gary, I think in about a thousand snaps, he gave up two sacks. I mean, the kid was the kid was absolutely terrific. And um I'm with you. I'd go Jaden Reed third, but I'd go Zach Tom second. Okay. Um, defense player of the year. I, I considered Kenny Clark. I considered Preston Smith, uh, but I opted for Quay Walker and, um, he led the team in tackles and it wasn't even close. I mean, he, he, he led the team by a wide margin and, um, uh, I think he had ended up with 118 and, and that was, I think he missed three games on top of that. So, I mean, uh, he could have easily been in, into 140 40 tackles if he would have played every game, but 
you know, that's not going to happen. But I, I, I thought he had a, uh, you know, really good year. Not a, not a Pro Bowl type year, but uh, a very good year. All right. We'll agree to disagree on that one. You know, I my feelings on Quay Walker is, is the tackle numbers end up high. Too many are downfield. His instincts aren't good enough. He can't cover. He gets gobbled up by guards and centers. There's a lot about his game that has to get better, Gary. Mm-hmm. He makes up for it with unique athleticism. But in terms of diagnosing All valid things, points. Yep. No, I'm not arguing. You know, that. In, in, in terms of diagnosing things, it, it's not a strength for Quay Walker, but but he is productive. Um, the problem is a lot of it is like A.J. Hawk. It was five yards downfield. But um, <laughs> yeah, Rob, that's exactly who I equated him to. I, I see a lot <laughs> of similarities. Except Walker to me is a, a much better athlete. He, he can, not even close. Ten yeah. times the athlete. So I mean, if they can, you know, if they get those other elements of Walker's game corrected, he will be a Pro Bowl player, Gary. There, there's yeah. no doubt because his athleticism is absolutely off the charts. And you know, he's an above average inside linebacker, Gary, but he's not close yet to being elite. Mm-hmm. Green Bay, I wouldn't say Gary had an elite player on the defensive side of the ball. To me, the closest thing in my MVP was Kenny Clark. Um, yeah, that was my second choice. Yeah. Gary, he he never misses a game. The guy's an all-time warrior. Didn't miss a game again this year. Played 72% of the snaps. Third on the team in sacks was seven and a half. Gary, it was the first year he moved from nose to defensive end. A lot of people weren't sure if he could go out there and play defensive end. A lot of people thought he was strictly a nose. I mean, Gary, if their next defensive coordinator plugs in a 4-3, Kenny Clark is one of your defensive ends, and you go monster big guys in the middle – and then a speed rusher is the other other defensive end. Green Bay will finally stop the run, Gary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> if, yeah, absolutely. No, no question about it. If sure. if that's the case, you know. Yeah, yeah. Back to Clark for a second, Gary led the team in tackles for loss with with nine. Uh, again, Gary, he's an unbelievable leader. Guys in there look to him. It was a young defensive line across the board. I think the next guy in terms of experience was TJ Slayton as a third year guy. So, I mean, it was really a bunch of babies on that defensive line, Gary. And I thought they were better in that positional group this year than they were last year when they had veterans on the team still like, you know, still like Reed and Lowry and and guys like that. I, I thought the unit got better. And one of the big reasons they did, Gary, was because of Kenny Clark. Yeah, yeah. Now, th- this is the toughest one for me to uh, select a player and that was the most improved player award. And oh, um, I, I, th- I thought of Josh Myers. I, I thought contrary to what everybody else believes, I thought he had a pretty good season. And you know what? Did he ever have a bad exchange with Love during the entire season? I mean, a bad snap when they were in the shotgun. I don't remember. I don't remember one, Gary. It's a great no. question. And, and and people take that for granted, but we've seen that in the past <laughs> where there's been bad snaps from the center. Um, yeah. And I, and I thought of Savage. I thought he played much better than last year. Uh, I thought of Devontae Wyatt. He had five and a half sacks, and that, that was an improvement over his rookie year. And then I thought, how about Bo Melton? I mean, this guy, <laughs> I mean, he came out of nowhere to be somebody down the stretch and uh, I, I thought all these guys were worthy, but when when push came to shove, I, I gave it to uh, T.J. Slayton, who I think just gets better and better every year. He's still got a long ways to go, but he played in all seven, yep. He played in all seventeen games. He had fifty tackles, I believe, and that was that was like nineteen more Rob than he had last season. 
So uh, I, I thought he vastly improved. Whether he's the answer going forward, who knows? But he, he certainly uh, upped, upped his game from a year ago. Well, Gary, you and I have talked a lot on this podcast about the next defensive coordinator shifting to a 4-3 potentially, and boy, T.J. Slayton could be your Gilbert Brown, couldn't he? Yes, yes, absolutely. They're almost they're almost twins. I mean, and and all you're asking him to do then is is gobble up two blockers and stand stout and strong in the run game. He's never going to get five sacks or something like that, Gary, in a season. But he is he's so good on early downs in terms of helping stop the run. Although you know he was partially responsible for that game winning touchdown run by McCaffrey. He got blown out of the middle there. And that was that was disappointing on McCaffrey's six yard touchdown run to finish that thing the other night. But I like the pick overall, Gary. You know, for the first time he got to start. You know, he played about double the snaps this year that he had his first couple of seasons on average. And 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 he showed he's you know, he deemed himself worthy, Gary. So I, I like that pick a lot. I went back and forth between two. And number one was Zach Tom, who largely was a, a swing offensive lineman as a rookie. Played in some games, Gary, not a ton, wasn't a starter, emerged as their best offensive lineman uh, this year. But since I gave Tom, what do we give Tom? Offensive player. We, we, offensive. we don't want to give him too many flowers. I don't want to give him every award. <laughs> so I'm going to give it to Rasheed Walker, Gary. Um, yeah, that's not who, a bad call either. Who never sniffed the field as a rookie. You know, was inactive, I think, every game except one or two. Came on like gangbusters in training camp. Everybody thought the fight was at right tackle, right, between between Tom and Yash Neishman. And then Rasheed Walker passed Yash this summer. And when Bakhtiari went down after one game, I think a lot of people were waiting for Yash to probably just step back into the left tackle role where he had played, you know, a lot, Gary, since, uh, since Bakhtiari tore his knee on December 31 of 2020. Didn't happen. Job went to Rasheed Walker. Gary played in all 18 games. He started, I think, almost all of them. And he deemed himself worthy. Now, is he the long-term answer at that position? I guess Green Bay's got to figure that out. My guess is no. I think they'll draft a left tackle early, and Walker becomes your swing tackle. But, Gary, if Rasheed Walker is your swing tackle, yeah, you're in pretty darn good shape on the offensive line. Because he proved this year you can win a lot of football games. And, uh, Gary, I thought his second season came out of nowhere. And he was as improved as anybody on the team. I I, I can agree with you more. I, I remember in the middle of the season, I said he shouldn't be playing for the Racine Raiders. Uh, I, I thought he was, you know, just horrible, you know, for, for an NFL lineman. But like you said, he came on really well the second half of the season. He settled down. I mean, he had some flaws. I mean, he wasn't perfect. But from where he was, he, he made substantial strides. No, he, I mean, he lunges too often, Gary, you know, and he gets himself in some bad positions and and things like that. But as he, as he gets older and more mature and, and gets more time out there, you know, he is, he's a big, strong guy, Gary. He's, he's a decent drive blocker in the run game. He's got to clean up some stuff in the past game with his past sets and stuff like that, but not to get too, te- too technical. He's got, you know, he's got some tools, Gary, and, Again, that that's just another player from that 2022 draft. Think about that, Gary. He was a seventh round pick. I think he was like number 250 or something like yeah. that in that draft. That already gave you Walker and Wyatt and Watson and Dobbs and Tom and you know now Rashid Walker. What what I mean, what a draft, hey Gary? Yeah, yeah, it certainly was. All right, our our, our final award, and that is the Rookie of the Year award. And uh, I thought it was pretty easy. I, I, I said 
Jaden Reed, and uh, he led the Packers in receptions. He led them in yards. He played like a veteran. He, I mean, the routes he ran were so precise, so smooth. Uh, dropped only a couple balls all season. Uh, gave him a legitimate punt returner. Uh, yeah, no, a no brainer for this award. No, I, I'm with you. And, you know, I guess I could just say ditto. You, you covered the bases. I mean, this, this kid plays like he's 27 years old, Gary. I, I think if, you know, if green Bay throws the ball 60% of the time or more moving forward, he, he could turn out to be a player like St. Brown in Detroit. They remind that I, I think yeah. there's similar players. You could move him around, play him inside and outside, obviously, like Detroit does with St. Brown, and then force feed him the ball. He's he's really clever. He's he's so good in his route running, Gary. And he's just tough as nails. I mean, he he took a beating this year. Yes. He and did. he, you know, he just kept putting on a jersey and and coming back. I, I'm with you, Gary. This one was easy. Already got a couple more topics we want to address before we wrap it up. But you think uh, you well, you did do a story the other day, and uh, it was about five players that you didn't think would be coming back to Green Bay, and you, you just want to go through those real quickly and you know give give your thoughts on them. Yeah, Gary, we'll we'll go quick here. I mean, I know we're well into the podcast, but you know, every, every year you're going to lose a handful of veterans that they're, they're going to lose guys. It's, it's a, it's a no brainer. Bakhtiari's a no brainer. Gary, he's due 40 million. They're, they're not going to pay him obviously mm-hmm. to, to come back. And, and they only, they'll take a $20 million cap hit Gary when they, when they get rid of him, but they save 20 million as well. So do you, do you think, like, Robin, do you think there's any possibility he'll retire? Uh, no, Gary. I think he's, I think he's a New York jet. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you. It's I'm sure Rogers is, you know, plugging for me as we speak. So, well, and you know, and Aaron can add Bakhtiari and and AJ Hawk and and Jordy Nelson and Clay Matthews and yeah. and and just get yeah. the old gang back together and go go four and thirteen next year, Gary. Um, <laughs> yeah, it'll be, exactly. it'll, it'll, it'll be it'll be quite a story. My second one, Gary, that won't be back is 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 Darnell Savage, first round pick in 2019, had two really good years, Gary, to start his career. But, you know, I don't know, something happened midstream there, and he he never took that next jump. Um, in fact, he got worse, and he's always been a below-average tackler. That got worse. He had arguably the play of the game to get him on the right, you know, path against Dallas. Yeah. Had a chance to make the same play against San Francisco. Couldn't make it. Dropped the ball, Gary, which has always been a problem with, with him. His hands are not great. He'll be gone. Gary, the, the next one hurts me here because he's an all-time good dude, and you try not to get close to these players because they move in and out so fast. But but you have respect for the pros, the pro pros, the um, you know the the, yeah. the guys the guys that do their job every day and are are good to deal with. And that third one to me is John Runyon. Um, he'll he'll probably be gone, Gary. Someone's going to give him above average money to play to play guard in this league. It won't be Green Bay. They're they're ready to turn that right guard spot over to Sean Ryan. Green Bay has never paid two guards really for the most part at the same time, other than what was it, Marco and and Mike Wall at one point. And and then later on, I guess they they did pay sitting and laying. But for the most part, Gary, the Packers don't pay guards, at least two of them at the same point in time. So unfortunately for for media guys, Gary, John Runyon, who's just an all-time class act, is going to be gone and and he will be missed in in that locker room because he's a really, really, really good leader. Um 
The fourth one that I think will be gone. We touched on this earlier is AJ Dillon. Um, mm-hmm. Someone will, you know, someone will give him okay money, Gary, to come and be the number two running back. It just, it just won't be Green Bay. They'll go younger and cheaper at at that position and draft somebody. And then definitely the guy we touched on earlier uh, quite a bit was Anders Carlson. I I can't imagine Gary that he's back. Um, there's other guys as well. You know, on on that offensive line, they could, you know, they could move on from Yash, Gary. They could. They could move on from Royce Newman. I mean, there's there's some, yeah. you know, they can move yeah. on from Jonathan Owens at safety. They Gary, they can move on from Devondre Campbell because you know he he had a disappointing season and he and he makes a crap ton of money. And they could free you know up what, Rob, I, I, I'd be surprised if they didn't move on from him. Correct. I yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the oh. for his his production is definitely, you know, slacked off the last couple of years. Yep. 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 So no, I mean, Gary, that, you know, that, that it's, it's the nature of the league. You turn over a third to a quarter of your roster every single year. The Packers will do it again this year. They'll, they'll move on some, from some of these veterans that are, they're getting some money. I mean, cause let's face it, Gary, they're going to have to give Jordan love North of $50 million to, to play quarterback next year. So um, the money's got to come from somewhere. Um, and and it's going to be moving on from some of these veterans, Gary, that are getting paid or have gotten paid. He's going to get Rob Rachel money. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, wrapping up, one more topic, and, and that's our playoff predictions. Uh, Lions 49ers. Um, 49ers, I believe, are seven-point favorites. And uh, if Devo Samuel plays, I think the 49ers win. If Debo Samuel doesn't play, I still think they're going to win. Uh, and you know, I think they're going to cover. They're just a, a more complete team uh, than the Lions, and um, and I think Bosa's going to just get in Goss face all day and just give them all kinds of fits. Well, you remember when we first did uh, when we did our first podcast of the 2023 season, Gary? My my Super Bowl pick was San Francisco over Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm not gonna run from it now. Um, obviously the Bengals aren't there. They may have been if Joe Burrow had stayed healthy, but you can't predict that stuff back in September. So San Francisco, Gary. Um, now I don't think they're gonna win the Super Bowl. I'll tell you that right now. Um, I think whoever comes out of the AFC is gonna beat them. I think they'll be the more complete football team. I guess Gary until the other night, and I had watched San Francisco through the season. I didn't realize how mediocre Brock Purdy really is. And I'm telling you, I tried telling you that early in the year. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you he, did. He's I a mean, systems quarterback in my, in my opinion, you know, he's a, and he missed a lot of throws and the arm strength isn't great. And when you get him off his spot, Gary, he, he really does struggle where a lot of guys, if you get them off their spots, the, the Allens, the Mahomes, the loves of the world. I mean, Gary, that you, you see him throwing darts all over the field. Yeah, Purdy yeah. can't do that. So Everything's got to go right for San Francisco to succeed on offense with with Brock Purdy, but they'll be good enough, Gary, to win this football game. Unless now this won't happen, but if Detroit finally wakes up and realizes their only path to victory is is if they give the running back Gibbs the ball twenty five times, they have a chance to win the game, Gary. If they keep screwing around with that stupid David Montgomery and give him fifteen carries and Gibbs eleven carries or something like that. They're gonna they're gonna lose by two scores. Gary Gibbs Gibbs to me is the best running back to come into the league in the last five to ten years. He's gonna be dominant for the next five years. Um, for some reason, 
Dan Campbell loves to split the carries or Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator there between those two running backs. Sunday night is not the time to split carries. Sunday night is the time if you're Detroit to get the ball in Gibbs's hands 25 times. And Gary, if that happens, he's going to find the end zone at least twice and Detroit's going to have a chance. But again, Detroit hasn't done that all season. Gary, I don't expect it to start now. They, they, for whatever reason, they love that David Montgomery and stay married to him through the course of the football game. So I'm going to say San Francisco by 10. Okay. So we're uh, on the same page there as well. Then in the AFC, you got the uh, Chiefs and the Ravens. And I I think this could be an incredible game. Um, The Ravens, uh, what are I think they're three and a half point favorites, as I said. Um, They're, they're really good. I mean, in all aspects of the game, they are really solid. But I like you picking the 49ers to get to the Super Bowl. I picked the Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl. And uh, as long as they got that quarterback named Mahomes, I'm not betting against them. Gary, it's his least talented team, at least offensively, that he's ever had, right? Now, it's their best yeah. defensive team. And, and it might be the best running back he's played with, with Pacheco, right? I believe, Gary, if I'm not mistaken, it's the top two defenses either in scoring or in yards in the league that are going to go head to head in that game. I mean, Baltimore's terrific on both, on both sides of the ball, but Gary, I don't think they're going to score a lot against that Kansas city defense. That Kansas city defense is really, really stout. Um, And the one thing I think you found out if you watch Baltimore closely in that game against Houston is, is outside the rookie flowers, you know, that that's still a wide receiver group that leaves a lot to be desired. You know, mm-hmm. now Flowers is is going to emerge as a pro bowler here over the next couple of years, but he's not there yet. And, and I'm Gary, a big I, fan of his, man. He's I am too, you know, but I, but I am with you. Betting against Patrick Mahomes is absolutely silly. It's foolish. Yeah. If somebody wants to give me three and a half and give me Patrick Mahomes, I will absolutely take that all day. I, I anticipate right now, Gary, Kansas City, San Francisco in the Super Bowl. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? We we would both have one of our preseason picks in the big one. And uh, we'll see what happens. Well, Rob, it was another fun-filled podcast. Uh, always a joy to talk to you about football. And uh, is there anything you want to say before we call us a, a day at the office? Gary, you know that you you did the Bucks forever. I've done the Packers forever. The, these seasons can be grind. Sometimes they blend into one another. You forget certain things. The, the, this season with the Green Bay Packers will stand out as one of the more unique ones in franchise history. Not just not just moving on from Rodgers, but finding your next quarterback and then surprising people like they did and winding up in the NFC Divisional Playoffs. Now there's a lot more for this group to accomplish and 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 they've got to get it done here the next few years and not so they're not looking back on last Saturday night as one of those really wasted opportunities. But Gary, watching some of these young guys grow up before your eyes if you're a Packer fan and and develop into high level players in this league and 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 just breaking down what they've done here in the last couple of drafts where Gutekunst has hit back-to-back home runs and Certainly as a chance, Gary, it looks like to have legendary draft classes back-to-back. I mean, it's it's an exciting time to be a Packer fan. It's a fun time to cover them. Um, they're really a unique story, and and I think the better days are ahead for them, which, which really does make it a lot of fun. Okie dokie. Well, thanks again, and I also want to thank our listeners. Uh, we appreciate your feedback and your support all season long. In the meantime, take care and all the best. 
For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.